This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Okay, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Monday, July 9th, 2018. I am your host, Patrick Moran, in a really... Really, really excited one at that. That's because come tomorrow, I am hopping my ass on a plane. I'm going back to Buffalo, New York. Going to spend a month in Buffalo. Haven't been there in seven months. Cannot wait to get back. I am so, so excited to do that. In the mood to hear some funk right now. Oh, DJ, throw some funk on this. All right, that's what I'm talking about. I have a juicy episode in store for you today. He hasn't talked on air since leaving the Buffalo News last month and almost immediately after joining The Athletic. You know what? In fact, he's never done a podcast before anywhere ever. But that's about to change today because my guest is none other than Buffalo Sabres beat writer for the newly formed Athletic Buffalo, John Vogel. John talks about why he left the Buffalo News, when he knew that it was time for him to go, what his plans were when he left, how quickly that changed when the athletic came calling. We also talk about his growing up in Western New York, his uh, <laughs> his lesson stellar beginning at Buff State College, and what finally nudged him to get his act together and become a sports writer. We also, of course, talk about the Sabres, his fondness for WWE, one I share with him. And I end the interview the same way I do all my featured guests, I put him to a little mini lightning round, asking him a handful of completely random questions. Immediately following John, I'm joined by recurring guest Tone Pucks, and we do our regular Pat with Pucks segment. Today we're talking Jack Eichel, Sabre superstar Jack Eichel, changing his jersey number from 15 to 9, and a lot of you fans losing your damn minds over it. We examine if the Buffalo Bills really deserve to be the team picked by Sports Illustrated to finish dead last in the NFL this season. Got some other topics on the table to get to. Okay, do not worry. All of your questions are about to be answered. Cell phones and pagers off, please. Oh, this looks promising. You won't be disappointed. Paying a little homage right there to my favorite TV show of all time. Of course, I'm talking about The Office. Pretty fitting quote, too, because yes, all your questions will be answered. Starting right now, in fact, because here's my interview with John Vogel, and after that, a little Pat with Pucks. Let's go. Ow. 
All right. My guest today is Western New York born and raised. He spent the past 16 seasons covering the Buffalo Sabres for the Buffalo News. And if you follow sports or the local media or you don't live under a rock, you know that he's now at the Athletic Buffalo right back on that Sabres beat. Of course, I'm talking about John Vogel. How you doing, John? What's going on? Great to have you on today. It is absolutely my pleasure. Things are great, actually. Things have been great for the past month now, and uh, they get, keep getting better every day. I can only imagine. And this is also historic because this is literally the first podcast John Vogel has ever done. Yes, indeed. I've uh, I've had it. I've had it off for a few times, but when this one came in, it was definitely the one I wanted to do. Matt Fairburn had talked about it. Chris Baker had talked about it. Uh, so when you uh, reached out, I was glad you did, and I was happy to come aboard. <laughs> I feel like I can end this interview already now. I feel like a winner right now. No, <laughs> and a more serious. So listen. So typically with my guests, I start at their beginning and kind of deep dive, you know, through their growing up and career. And we're certainly going to do that today. But I'll get eaten alive by the fans if I don't address recent events right away. So let's spend a few minutes real quick just knocking it out, and then we can get into the fun stuff. When did it first start to register for you that, you know, your long-term future may not be with the Buffalo News? Um, to be honest, I haven't been happy there in a while. Just the way the uh, the job changed and the newspaper industry changed. It used to be a lot of telling stories and uh, and it was always telling a lot of stories. I had no problems doing three or four things a day, which was fine. But the last few years, it turned into seven or eight a day. Um, so that kind of got the... Uh, a little burden on me, um, to be honest. And then, so the last few years, I haven't been happy. Uh, the news hasn't been the uh, happiest place to be. Uh, I only go in the office back then to do expense reports, basically, because uh, I used to I obviously write at the arena or just cover practice and come home. But uh, it was not a happy place, and uh, that extended to me. I just wasn't too happy. And then uh, once uh, once they had the newsroom meeting where they had lost money and said there were going to be big changes and people leaving, I uh, I knew right away that I was going to be one of those people. Now, I read in Matt Warren's Buffalo Rumblings article, which is an excellent article on that matter, and in part, you decided to take that buyout, you said, because you've seen hockey writer buddies of yours, you know, get fired at the drop of a dime and with no notice. So it seems like you wanted to make sure that that wasn't something that ultimately would happen to you. Am I correct with that? You are 100 percent correct. Yeah, good uh, friend down in Tampa. They uh, his paper just folded up, and he was out of a job with no warning. I know in uh, in March the Chicago uh, Tribune called guys in off the road and laid them off from both baseball and hockey aspects. So if the news was going to pay me to leave, I was definitely going to take it. Uh, they had a they had a buyout like I don't know probably eight years ago. And there were times through these last eight years where I thought, oh, man, I should have done that. But so when this one came up, I was going to definitely grab it. Why do you think Jerry Sullivan's column was taken away? Because of all the things that have went down in the Buffalo News recently, you know, a lot of variations of things and people have different perspectives. But that's probably the one revelation that I read about his column and Bucky's too getting taken away that really angered me. Do You think there's no longer a place in the newspaper for a traditional columnist? I would hope there is. Um, I mean, opinions are, they're, they're vital in our industry. Um, I mean, obviously that's, uh, if you walk into a bar room anywhere, there's going to be people talking, giving their opinions and uh, that's needed in the newspaper also. 
Um, I think Bob DeCesare touched on it in that in that story you mentioned uh, with the Buffalo Rumblings one, which was great. I agree 100% that he did a great job on that. But Bob DeCesare mentioned a lot of times some of the columns were just rehashes of similar things that were already said rather than going and digging deeper and finding something new and a new angle. And I think that did great on a lot of people, to be honest. And uh, I think that had a big factor in it. Um, I don't, uh, to be honest, I can't get into the minds of some of the uh, news leadership just because uh, I listened to what some of their plans are and they didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, even when they thought they were good ones. And this one I didn't think was the best. So uh, I can't really get into their heads too much. But uh, I do think it was, uh, I think it was an interesting time, definitely, uh, for the news this last month. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I just knew it was time for me to move on for sure. So you leave the Buffalo News and you said it on Twitter, you know, you're prepared to hang out and chill out near the water for the summer at the very least. How did the athletic come into play and how long did it take for your deal to come together with them? Because that was kind of big news and seemingly, for at least for some people, out of nowhere. It was, uh, it went very quick. Um, I had, uh, I had about a week to decide on the buyout. Um, and then I, I signed all my paperwork on a Monday. I announced it uh, on Twitter on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, I got a text or I mean a DM from someone at The Athletic asking for my phone number. On Thursday, the, uh, Paul Fichtenbaum, who's in charge of content for The Athletic, sent me a text saying he wanted to talk on Friday. Um, we talked for a little more than an hour. And by the time it was uh, wrapped up, we both decided we, uh, we'd form a good partnership. So, yeah, I mean, from Monday till Friday, it was... Uh, just out of one place and into another. And it was like, it was not expected. I really was planning to just, uh, the news, thankfully the bio package get, would have given me enough time to just relax for almost a year and figure out if this was a, what I wanted to do in my life. Because like I said, it was getting, there's times the beat is just, a. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, there's, there aren't many jobs better than just sitting around watching hockey in the grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things. But like any job, there's uh, there's moments people don't see where it's not great. And uh, I wanted to take some time and see if this was what I wanted to keep doing or maybe go into a nine to five world, which I'd never been in. Um, but uh, once the athletic called, that was uh, that was just as easy as deciding on the buyout. Let me ask you this, too. When you announced it on Twitter Did it take you back a little bit because the outpouring of respect and admiration, whether it was fellow media people or fans, it was pretty overwhelming. I mean, it was a very positive response that you got from fans. What did that mean to you to read and see a lot of the stuff that you did? That meant the world, to be honest. Uh, I, I didn't know how the reaction would be. Obviously I've, uh, I'd hoped I had, uh, made people's lives a little better with entertainment, uh, through the years. Um, but to read some of the stories uh, uh, or some of the messages from people, one person, he, he's in his late teens. He said he'd been reading me his whole, reading me his whole life. I mean, that struck right. me as, wow. I mean, uh, I had never thought of it like that. Not even once. I mean, I know I've been doing it for 16 years, but never once did I say, oh, wow, these people have been following the whole time. So that was a, it was jarring and much appreciated. I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely an emotional day reading all that stuff because, as you mentioned, I could not believe the outpouring of support, and uh, that was really touching. Yeah, I mean, God, for you know, for for men and women, you know, who are maybe in their early to mid twenties, and you know, they only can read at a certain age. You're pretty much you've been their saber's voice for their entire life. I never really even thought of it that way. I'll tell you what. Let's circle back to the media stuff in a minute. You're a Western New York guy. Where exactly were you born? 
Uh, I was born in Lovejoy, but we moved uh, to Blaisdell when I was one. Uh, so I grew up uh, my whole life near Frontier High School, went to Frontier, and then uh, I li- yeah, basically lived in Woodlawn or Blaisdell most of my life until uh, after I got done with Buff State. But yeah, I was a Frontier guy and happy South Towner. <laughs> Who were a few of your first favorite athletes that you can remember as a young kid? Uh, Pat LaFontaine, um, was one of the, one of the first, uh, he came while we were in high school and back then they used to have cheap tickets. And, uh, so a bunch of us at school would go down and, and watch Patty LaFontaine score a bunch of goals and set up Alex Alexander Mogilny. So he was a, uh, he was a favorite. Um, but I was a big, uh, I was also a big baseball, uh, guy back then. Uh, so I used to like, uh, usually it was, a Hard-hitting left-handed batters, uh, Eddie Murray and George Brett were some of my favorites, and nice. then uh, and then it grew, and I became a giant San Francisco Giants fan for Will Clark, uh, and then when Barry Bonds came, so yeah, I've been a Giants fan since uh, well mid '80s or late '80s, I guess. So yeah, Will Clark and Barry Bonds are my favorite for sure. After high school, you went on, like you said, you went to Buff State College. Why did you go there? I always ask my media guys this: Why did you go there? And were there other schools that you considered? Um, at that time, I was not a, uh, a media guy or never even entered my mind, to be honest. I, uh, I After Frontier, I took a year off and then went to Buff State, uh, went there for two years and kind of uh, it was more or less just to uh, keep me occupied. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, the nights were a little more occupied than the daytime. Uh, so they actually, uh, politely asked me to leave because of my grades for a year, but then I, uh, then I went back to Buff State and I, uh, took a communications class and I found it interesting. Uh, and then I took another one and happened to be the, uh, the same teacher, Charlie Adair. And, uh, one of the, one of these, there was only three assignments that had grades. Uh, and the first one, uh, <laughs> his only rule was you could not be late with it, had to be due when the class started and sure enough, it was a morning class and I slept right through it. So I, <laughs> I wrote a long note. Uh, I wrote, wrote a long note explaining how, Hey, it's not going to give you any garbage story. I was just out all night and this and that he wrote a long note back and he happened to be, uh, he used to be the city editor at the Buffalo news. Mm-hmm. And so after that, uh, after that long note, we kind of joked around a lot. And then I took all his classes and that's when I really got the journalism bug. Let me ask you this. Okay. So you graduated from Buff State, I believe in 2001, I read. What did you do? Uh, Is that 90, right? 98. 98. My bad. What did you do between the time you graduated and the time you started with the Buffalo News in the summer of 2001? That's where I got the 2001 from. What did you do in between that time? Uh, well, as I mentioned, Charlie Dare used to work at the news. So in 96, uh, he sent a couple of us. Uh, he knew the sports department was hiring people answering phones. So he sent a couple of us students down for interviews or to, to apply and get interviews. And I got hired in 96, uh, answering phones and typing in horse racing results uh, at mm. the news. So I did that for three years. And then 99, I did an internship. And then uh, they kept me on during the uh, Stanley Cup finals runs as a copy editor. So I did that. And then... 99, I got a job in Medina at the Medina Journal Register as the sports reporter. Uh, and then in January 2000, I got a job down in, uh, this was kind of my big break. I got a job at the Columbus Ledger Inquirer in Georgia. Um, and that was, uh, I covered minor league hockey for two years and Auburn University football. And 
Oh, wow. that was a great, great time down there. That first day, let's circle back to athletic here. The first day when it was announced that the Buffalo division of the athletic was live and it was announced all at the same time too, that you and Tim Graham, Matt Fairborn, Bakes, Chris Baker, Ryan Stimson, and Eric Turner were all signed on. That was a wild day. And, you know, Buffalo Twitter was a buzz. What was that day like for you? You know, being able to reveal, because you knew for, you know, a certain amount of time what was going on. I know that I talked to Chris Baker about this. You know, some of you guys got together a couple nights before, you know, to celebrate and, you know, talk about plans and stuff like that. What was that Monday like for you when when the Athletic went live? as we talked about with those great messages when I left, it was uh, just as overwhelming to get them to make great messages and saying, welcome back. Um, but it was, it was fun just in the fact that as, as you just mentioned, we had gone out to celebrate and this time we're really a group that, that I don't want to get too much into it. I guess what the news right. was or was not, but uh, this is a group of guys who really care about each other, respect each other and just want to be good journalists. I mean, uh, that wasn't always uh, the case uh, with everyone at the news. And at, in this case, it is. We really feel like we're part of something. And the fact that we're starting at the ground floor in, in Buffalo, that we can really help build something is what's really meaningful for all of us. And we're just going to try and do our best to uh, make both the athletic and the people in Buffalo proud. Just because I know that might sound corny, but no. it really is true. I mean, when we get together, we talk about what we can do best for the readers. And it's just been a, just been a great month. Now, having, you know, guys like you and Tim and Matt, you know, uh, another Bills beat reporter, those are obviously great gets, name recognition and stuff like that. And, you know, you guys will continue to do a great job. But for me personally, a real key was getting guys like Chris Baker and Ryan and Eric. I think that was huge because, you know, those guys, guys with those, you know, that blogging background and that blogging work is thrown around, sometimes good, sometimes bad, way more than I like. I hate the way... Bloggers are classified at times. But anyway, those guys are some of the best at what they do. And I feel like they bring something completely different to the athletic and what you guys are going to be doing as a team. And I think that's something, you know, going back with the Buffalo News, even when all you guys were there, that it lacked a little bit. You know, that analytics thing and, and a guy like Chris, who's just so remarkable at breaking down prospects and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like you got your name recognition at the top and then you got guys like that who I think are going to bring something completely different to the athletic that other publications around here just don't have. They absolutely made it the most well-rounded site they could. Uh, you, you touched on it there, just an analytics expert, a, or a prospects as, expert. It's just people who see things just a little differently than everyone else does. And the best thing is they're going to give us time to show that we see things a little differently. I mean, Obviously, I would have. There was times I would have loved to uh, go to Rochester and do a prospect story, but right. we had, at the news we had to cover practice in case someone sprained their ankle or hurt their finger. So I mean, it's not like we could skip anything. We're here at the athletic. Um, there's time to tell stories and do things like that. And I love the fact that they made it a well-rounded uh, department. With, uh, just so many different aspects that we can come at the same story and look at it three or four different ways. It's just been fun. I should also add that the Athletic recently added Joe Yurden to uh, their Sabres coverage. I mean, God, you guys are literally loaded right now with with good talent. It's uh, that was a. I don't think they planned to expand so quickly, but things started so well those opening couple of weeks that they hired three more people, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, it exploded. They have nine writers already in it for a site that's only been up for what is it three weeks, three four yeah. weeks now. I mean, it's 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 crazy. 
it's uh, it, it is it's just such a breath of fresh air for all of us just to see someone hiring people and wanting to expand rather than what we've been used to for so long. I'm not going to glorify any personal issues on here. That's not this kind of podcast and not why I have guys like you on. But it's pretty obvious to anyone who has a Twitter and a set of eyeballs that there isn't a lot of love lost between you and Harrington, as well as Tim Graham and Harrington. I mean, that's, again, not going to get into the details. Anyone could see that. But this feels like a competition between two sides right now, not just, you know, one-on-one, but just, you know, between the two brands that's rooted in being personal. Is this personal to you or am I entirely off base here? Um, that's, that's, uh, you're not entirely off base. No. Um, there's definitely some of that. Um, I like to say that, uh, when we worked together, Harrington, and I complimented each other well, just cause we were very different personalities. He, he's a little more, uh, outgoing and free with his opinions, I guess we could say, uh, <laughs> at all times. Um, than than I usually am. Um, so in that aspect, yes, it is. I we have di- we have different ways of looking at things, and uh, I think that'll come through now. And it's uh, and, and part of it is personal in the fact that yeah, I mean the news. Uh, I didn't really want them anymore, but they didn't want us either. And so there is more of, as I said, we feel like we're really part of something here at the athletic, and we're just going to take pride in making sure the athletic is the best thing in town. Right. And, you know, so we're clear here for the record, too. I like all you guys. I Obviously, I like you. I have you on the show. I love Tim. I like Mike. I like all you guys. I meant personal, you know, just as like, we're going to beat you. You know what I mean? Kind of like two teams <laughs> playing against each other. Yeah. You got traded to another team or whatever. You know what I mean? That's what I mean, for the most part, by saying personal. Yes, let's let's kind of yeah. let's get off that little bit of the athletic versus Buffalo News thing, because it's so much more than that. And you're so much more than that. <laughs> Who's the toughest athlete? during your time covering the Sabres that you've ever had to deal with. I always ask my media guys this too. And I'm not necessarily saying, you know, the guy who was the biggest jerk in the locker room or the worst person, just someone in past or present, you know, who kind of made your life a little more difficult when it came to meeting deadlines and stuff like that. When it came to covering the Sabres, is there a guy? The two most difficult, uh, there's t- there's a cl- pretty close tie at the top between Curtis Brown and Paul Gostad. Uh Curtis Brown and the fact that, uh, one day he was absolutely the best guy you could talk to. The next day he was absolutely miserable and would yell at you and <laughs> just, and just uh, degrade what you did for a living. So he was, you never knew what you're getting when you uh, walked up to Curtis Brown. Um, Paul Gostad was, uh, he was great when he first got here and then a uh, little bit of fame and money got to his head and then he was above everyone else. Uh, uh, in both the locker room and uh, people who worked outside the locker room. So uh, those were definitely the two uh, people who come to mind when I think of not the best, uh, not the best days at the office when you had to talk to them. Now let's flip that the other way. Who are one or two of your favorite guys that you've covered guys that you love going to, you know, you'll get a good quote or they're just always accommodating of you. Uh, there's a uh, three at the top. They are uh, Brian Campbell, Jay McKee and Robin Leonard, actually who just left. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Campbell was just anything you needed. He was there for you. And it remains that way to this day. I could send him a text now and he'd call me back in five minutes if, uh, if, you, if I really needed him to. And same with Jay McKee. Jay McKee, when you walked away, you just felt better. Like he just had an optimistic view of everything that when you got done talking, you're like, wow, this is a good day. He, he, he just brightened everything up by talking to him. Hmm. And, and Robin, uh, Robin just had a, uh, 
he was outspoken uh, when both the microphone was on and off and he was just such a thoughtful guy i mean i don't i know he uh didn't have the best uh, fan base here in buffalo at all times but he was really a guy who cared and had his uh there was opinions that some people didn't like but he was he held firm to him and he would explain why he had him and just he was just a good guy to just talk to about any topic you could think of I want to talk a little bit of current savers, but before that, I got one more media question for you. I've grown a pretty good base of listeners that are out there who are bloggers or, you know, aspiring sports journalists. They look up to you guys. What's the best advice you can give them? Because, you know, in some cases, you guys know when you're 10 years old that you want to be a writer. Other times, you don't know that you this is what you want to do until you get to college and it kind, you kind of fall into it and it becomes your trade. But regardless of that, what's the best advice that you could give to someone out there listening who wants to be John Vogel someday? So you want to be a writer? I would think uh, there's a few things. Some are small tips. Like the first <laughs> first one that came to mind is a small tip. Um, just don't write anything you wouldn't say out loud. Uh, as in, for instance, uh, referring to wrestlers as a grappler or certain things. Just mm-hmm. this little thing, just little words that maybe you wouldn't say out loud. They come across in print as, hey, that person really wouldn't say that out loud. So that's a little tip. Um, I would give just uh, one that's always been given to me is just read a lot. I mean, you pick up uh, you pick up a lot just by reading people. Um, there was a lot of people that I read growing up that, or when I got into college, that I said, "Hey, that's a good way to write that. I want to steal that style or borrow that style." And that was uh, that was kind of how I created my style is just seeing what other people did, worked for them, and tried to incorporate in that what I was. doing. Let's talk Sabres now. What's your realistic rookie expectation for Rasmus Dahlin? We all expect him to grow into a superstar as he gets more experience. But as a rookie, what are you expecting of him this year? Um, I think a kid who's going to learn quickly. Um, I think just the way he, just talking to him for at the draft and at development camp and just watching what he uh, he did. He's someone who's open to listening to people. He doesn't think he has all the answers already at age 18, even though people have anointed him as the next great Hall of Fame defenseman. He's willing to listen to people and study and see what makes you get better. And I think it's going to be rapid. I mean, I don't want to put pressure on the kid and no one in the Sabres organization definitely doesn't want to put pressure on the kid. But I think we're after, we're going to see. I mean, it might be a little bumpy month, maybe, or maybe two. But I think once he gets going, it's going to be a rapid improvement uh, as the season goes along. Your thoughts on Carter Hutton and taking over what we presume will be the number one goaltender job with Leonard and Johnson both gone. And, you know, Allmark probably not ready for that role yet, especially based on what we saw last year in the playoffs for Rochester last season. What are your thoughts on Hutton being here now? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, the numbers stand out. Um, it's just a guy who over the last three seasons is just uh, steady as they come. I know it wasn't uh, the most games uh, last year. It was, uh, I think, a little less than 40 the last couple of years. But in, I think whenever he's in there, he gives you uh, a chance to win, which which this team needed a lot of nights. There's uh, a lot of goals that uh, were deflating. Um and he doesn't seem to let those ones in. Um, so that's going to be important for this team. Because, I mean, he mentioned it himself in his opening interview that, he, hey, I looked at this team's numbers and they weren't very good in one goal games. And that's all I got to do is be better in that and will be better. So I think uh, I think that is something that could change in a hurry is if uh, he does that. Now, that said, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I don't think they'll be at the bottom again. What do you see Casey Middlesat's role being in Buffalo this year? Does he get thrust 
right into a second line center role? Or do you see his ice time and responsibilities getting a little more ease in the things as the season goes on? If they're playing a team that's not the best down the middle, then they will put him on the second line. If they're playing Toronto, I think they're going to have to put him on the third for that, for that game. Um, I think it's just going to be a touch and go on a daily basis. I think by the end of the year, he should be able to handle the second line role. But I do think I don't think they're just going to start and say, all right, you're always on the third line. I think it's just going to depend on how the opponent matches up down the middle. And if there's certain teams where they think, hey, his speed and playmaking and taking advantage on the second line, I think we'll put him there for this game and then next game, move him back down. So I think that's what we'll see from him this year. As you wrote in a piece for the for the athletic, Brendan Gooley is probably the not probably he is the top non Darlene defensive prospect in this organization, but some more. AHL seasoning probably wouldn't hurt him either. And you you added the important nugget that, you know, because he doesn't have to clear waivers for Buffalo, that makes it more likely that it does happen. Is that a move that you could see being very largely unpopular with fans because, you know, of his name and how what his potential is, even though it might be the smart thing to do, at least to start the season? Yes, because uh, I think I will be unpopular without a doubt, just in the fact that, hey, this kid, you, see, you can see it. He has the talent to be an NHL player. And sure, there are people <laughs> we're used to seeing guys get thrown into the mix here. I mean, Rat was the line in during his first season, spent half the year in Buffalo. And there's a lot of guys who just got thro- thrown right in right away. So we're just kind of used to it. Um, but the fact is they have a lot of left-handed defensemen at the moment. Uh, he's an easy one to send down to Rochester because of waivers. And while it won't be popular, I think it won't hurt him because the uh, in the playoffs, Syracuse was a very, very good team. And uh, there's a lot of guys on the Emirates who had trouble handling that very, very good team in those three games. So I think maybe just a little more learning curve um, would be good for him. I hesitate to uh, bring Darcy Regeer up because he didn't always have the best ideas. But one, when he first started, or when his first dozen years here was, hey, guys go in the AHL for a year and a half and that's it. That's what they do. And uh, it worked for a lot of guys. So I said it wouldn't be the worst thing for Gooley to spend another half a year or so in the AHL and then come up and be ready for the NHL. What do we make of Alex Nylander? I mean, we're not there yet, but it's certainly starting to feel like he's headed down that path of, you know, being called a bus pretty soon. If something doesn't happen, did these depth pickups, you know, in the O'Reilly trade and bring him back, Scott Wilson, then does that pretty much seal him not making this roster out of camp? What do you, where do you see his future right now? As of right now, they, uh, when I went to those playoff games, my goal was not to, uh, I would, the first game, I just went there to watch and see what happened. And then by the third period, I watched him sit on the bench the whole time because uh, he didn't do anything. And then I watched uh, I watched a lot more closely in games two and three and actually uh, wrote down every shift he had and what he did and didn't do. And too many times he didn't do anything. I mean, he's got to get it. To, he's got to learn that you can't take shifts off. I mean, if you do it in the AHL and it doesn't look good, imagine what happens when you get to the NHL and do it. I mean, he, uh, he's got to learn that uh, you just can't take those ships off. And until he does, uh, he's going to have an uphill fight. I mean, I know he, under- he thinks uh, he's got NHL skills and NHL talent, and he's ready for that. And the AHL might be a little beneath him, and he might have a better attitude in the NHL. But, I mean, you got to prove it down there before you get the chance up here. And that's something he's got to learn. One more Sabres question, then we'll move on. Give me a guy that maybe – a lot of fans don't expect much from that you could see becoming a pretty good player for the Sabres this year, whether it's a young kid who comes out of nowhere or a veteran that we've written off. Someone you think that could become good this year or will play well this year, I should say, that no one's really expecting much of. 
Hmm, that no one's expecting. That's a good one. Well, we touched on Allmark and how he might not be uh, completely ready, but I think when he is in, he will uh, uh, he will look good. But uh, hmm, it's, uh, I th- I would uh, I think the Sabers are really hoping that uh, Scandella steps up a little more. It's not that he had a bad year in last year, but they were uh, they made this trade and talked about how he was really ready to. Uh, go from the third or fourth defenseman in Minnesota to a first or second guy in Buffalo. And there was times when he didn't look at, look like that. So I'm thinking this is maybe another year of uh, comfort level here in Buffalo. Maybe Scandella will make that jump that the Sabres promised last summer. Let's talk about something way cooler than that. Are you a John Cena guy? Or are you a Roman Reigns guy? Who's your guy in, w- in WWE? <laughs> I was uh, definitely a Cena fan. Uh, I used to uh, get a little uh, grief from that from Buffalo <laughs> Wins. Joe Pinza, and, uh, yeah. I was definitely always a Cena fan, um, for sure. Uh, not a Roman Reigns fan. Um, uh, right now, the uh, the guy who makes me chuckle and tune in is Braun Strowman. Uh, just every week, it, there's something special that he does, and it's been a it's been a lot of fun to watch. I was a big Bray Wyatt fan. Uh, and still am. I like that. <laughs> I like how they have Bo Dallas, his brother, real life oh, brother, yeah. imitating him now. Uh, that is also a funny segment on Mondays whenever that comes up. So, so yeah. But no, I mean, I've been a wrestling fan since uh, I can remember, and uh, I lost it for a little while uh, in my mid twenties or so. But it's been back with a vengeance the last ten years or so, and it's been fun. <laughs> how much does it suck for you when there's you know a pay per view that at least one that you're interested in watching? And, you know, the Sabres have a Sunday evening game or, you know, you got a story that you have to get done Sunday night and you don't get to watch it. And I'm sure, you know, whether it's Twitter or whatever, you're you're finding out things that you probably don't want to find out because you have to miss it. How much does that suck? It's awful. It's And that's the reason I've never been to a WrestleMania. I mean, there's always a, it's always late season. Uh, you can't really take the <laughs> take time off because it's the final week. And mm-hmm. you never know if the games are going to mean anything. And a lot of, there was actually a few Sunday games during WrestleMania. So that was tough. But that is my I mean, I'd love to go to WrestleMania, but it's just uh, <laughs> Sabres that haven't uh, made that easy, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on Ronda Rousey as a performer? Because l- let me say this: I was pumped when she first signed, but then I immediately got nervous because of her mic skills or lack thereof, or you know how she would be in the ring. And, and on the mic, she still does have a lot of work to do. But man, in the ring, wow! That WrestleMania match, which I'm sure you saw, you know the tag match, she just blew me away to the point where I, when I see her in the ring, I feel like she's must see when she's actually in the ring doing something. Do you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah, that was, I, uh, you nailed it. I mean, her Mike, Mike skills can still use a little help. I was, uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Paul Heyman help her out at right. some point. Um, but yeah, no, that, that match at WrestleMania was amazing. My wife, uh, usually Monday night is her nap time. I turn it on, turn on the TV at eight and wake <laughs> her back up at a, wake her back up at 1110 <laughs> to go upstairs. But, uh, that match she also was into and was like, wow, she's really good. And, she almost wanted to order the Ronda Rousey, Rowdy Rousey, Ronda Rousey t-shirt and everything. So, yeah, no, she made a great impact on uh, at WrestleMania. And it's been, yeah, so now her in, in-ring skills have been awesome to watch. I mentioned that word must-see, you know, when she's in the ring. Who are a couple of guys, and they don't necessarily have to be guys that are wrestling right now, but they, they were must-see. Like, when they wrestled, you made sure you watched. You didn't miss that show or you didn't miss that match when they were performing. Yeah, uh Rowdy Rowdy Piper was fun back in the day. Um, we used to have we used to have a great benefit when I was uh, 
little kid, um, my sister has cerebral palsy and, and is in a wheelchair. And back then we would get first row. Like now I know they have, they have accessible seating up top, but down back then it was first row. So they would put us down there and that was back in Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Junkyard Dog days. And they'd come down and give her high fives and stuff. So that's kind of why I really got into wrestling. Uh, but Piper was always fun. I remember the time and there was a time in Memorial Auditorium where he just like grabbed the top rope and ripped it apart, ripped the ring apart. And I don't think he planned to do that. But then he turned it into a big match where he was uh, using the rope to do his advantage. And it was always, it was always fun to watch him. What's your take on Brock Lesnar as champ and him wrestling like two or three times per year? Because it was I felt kind of cool at first. But for me, like now I'm over it. I like seeing the title, you know, being defended at least once in a while. So what's your thought on that? Am I wrong? Do you think? No, you're not wrong. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I just think, uh, I think it, it wouldn't have, he wouldn't have lost as much luster if it wasn't uh, Roman Reigns every time. I mean, if you're only going to wrestle four or five times a year, you shouldn't have to wrestle the same guy every time. Uh, so I think that kind of took the luster away from it. But yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see a, a title match more often. And I think that is, uh, now that they have their big money deals, uh, starting uh, next year on uh, Fox and USA. I think we will have to see more full-time guys, and I think that'll have to be their plan. When WCW was around, were you a Nitro guy or were you strictly raw? What were you? Uh, Sting got me back into wrestling. I mentioned I was out of it for a little while when he developed the Crow character. That was when I tuned back into wrestling and started watching again. So uh, I really liked when Sting uh, changed characters and that got me back in. And But that was also the time of Undertaker was really taking off. And uh, so I would I would watch them both. I would flip between channels. But uh, Sting and Undertaker really got me into back into it back then. Okay, here's how I do it with every guest. We're going to end this with a little mini lightning round. Just going to ask you a, a handful of random questions. Not a lot of deep thought required. And, you know, whatever comes in your mind, just that's what the answer is. All right, cool? Sure, sounds good. All right, you've obviously been around all over covering hockey. What do you consider your favorite city to visit? Uh, with hockey, uh, let's see, there's Phoenix, um, just because of the weather and the summer in the uh in January, it's great to go to a place where it's 70, and plus they have uh, Camelback Mountain, which I've had the pleasure of climbing five or six times now. So Phoenix is up there um, just as a as a road trip destination. And for pure hockey, uh, Montreal has been fun. Just uh, that building, when it's rocking, it's better than any uh, any other building there is. Where's your favorite place to go grab some food when you're on the road? Like you look at the schedule, you don't even care about what, you know, what team it or what night it is. It's like, all right, I'm going to make sure I eat at this place. Uh, New York with Katz's Deli, uh, the pastrami sandwich there is just out of this world. It's every time I, every time I eat it, it's, it's just never loses, uh, never loses its flavor. That's, that's one way to put it, I guess. And then also uh, Nashville, the hot chicken at Hattie B's um, is also up there. So those are the two places where, hey, I'm definitely going to eat at those two places. Who's the most entertaining fellow hockey beat reporter that you know? And it doesn't have to be someone from Buffalo. It could be someone from any market, any team. Uh, I would, first thing, first person that popped in my mind was Tim Graham, but I will leave him out just since he's a local guy. Um, George Richards um, so one of my best friends in the uh, industry. He used to cover the Florida Panthers for the Miami Herald. He now covers uh, the Blue Jackets for the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, our times at the draft and at the NHL awards in 2010 and just uh, hanging out on road on the road. Uh, those are some of my best memories uh, of these 16 years and 
I really appreciate uh, getting to know him and hanging out with him. What would you consider your favorite sports movie ever? Favorite sports movie? Um, I will go with, it's more of a documentary um, than a sports movie, but nine innings from ground zero. Um, okay. It's about the Yankees. Yes. Uh, uh, when the Yankees went to the World Series following the World Trade Center, that's just a hour long documentary, just the highs and lows of what uh, the Yankees um, meant to that town going through such a terrible time. Just I can I can watch that at, uh, every day, actually. If let's just say, you know, you go to Buff State and you said that you weren't a sports running prodigy. You didn't know this is what you wanted to do. If you had never gotten involved in journalism in any capacity, what do you think you may have ended up doing with your life? Uh, my other two majors <laughs> were uh, psychology. And I, at one point I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, like when I lived in Georgia, my friend was going through law school and uh, it was, it was uh, although it was hard, it was interesting watching him do that. So I would uh, maybe go with uh, a lawyer. All right. Second, last question here. This may be harder for you than the others because you don't really follow a lot of people on Twitter, but if Twitter <laughs> sent you a note, actually that might make it harder because you got less people to choose from. If Twitter <laughs> sent you a note and said, Hey John, man, we're only going to allow you to follow one person on Twitter and one person only, who would it be and why? If it was a person, I'd have to go with uh, Joe Poznanski. Uh He's a writer and everything he uh, writes both on Twitter and, uh, for his various websites, just, uh, they intrigue me just the way he phrases things and his, his outlook on things. Uh, so Joe Poznanski, if we're going with a person, uh, if we're going with just an overall account, I'm going to go with Marriott hotels just because I love traveling so much. And, uh, every day they send a new place out and I think, Ooh, that'd be fun to go there. So those are, <laughs> so if we're not going with the person, then Marriott hotels is the one. All right. Last question here. Three dinner guests, any era, Dead or alive, dinner, maybe a couple beers, whatever. Anyone, any era, who you got? All right. Um, I will go Dave Grohl of uh, the Foo Fighters and Nirvana fame. Uh, okay. To learn. Uh, I, I can't imagine being the drummer of one of the most influential rock bands to becoming the guitarist lead singer for another one of the most famous ones. So I just like to, plus he's such a funny guy. So I'd like to get to know Dave Grohl. Um, so that's one. Uh, two, we'll go with a little historic. Uh, FDR, uh, just because of so much, uh, there's so much going on in the world uh, back then sure. that it kind of puts this to shame. So uh, I know we're a hectic, uh, hectic time, but back then, I mean, he, he oversaw so much stuff that uh, it would be intriguing to uh, to pick his brain about what he what he went through. Um, and let's see, a third one would be. I kind of feel like I'm selling out going back to music. Uh, but music is, uh, that's usually how I spend my summers is concerts. And one of those uh, people I see every summer is Kenny Chesney and just uh, the island life. So I wouldn't mind relaxing and kicking back in one of his, uh, his island resorts. So uh, maybe he could host the three of us over there. So Kenny Chesney and Dave Grohl and FDR, I think would be my, my group. I like those answers. Okay. <laughs> John Bogle from The Athletic. First podcast you've ever done, dude. I feel honored about that. And let me say one thing too. I'm happy for you and I'm happy for Buffalo sports fans because when something like this happens, when guys like you and Tim and Matt, you know, and Chris and all you guys, you know, with the athletic, I think the real winner in all this is the sports fans because whether it's the athletic 
or the Buffalo News or some of these good blogs out there or, you know, WGR, whoever it may be, it kind of ups the game. You know what I mean? It puts pressure on all you guys, all you entities to put out good quality work and to really hustle and, you know, not get lackadaisical. Not that anyone does, but you know what I mean? It really, I think competition like that brings out the best in everyone. And I think the real winner in all this is the sports fans. So I'm sure you agree with that as well. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I'm uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, I mean, that's how, uh, when I first started covering the Sabres, it was uh, me and Tim Graham, and we were both young at the time. Not that we're old now, but I remember. <laughs> we were young at the time, and we uh, we pushed each other daily. So I'm looking forward to doing that, and I, I agree. I think we'll push each other, and other people will push us, and uh, it should definitely be better for the sports fans of Buffalo. <laughs> with pucks. All right, that was John Vogel from The Athletic. Now I'm joined by Tone Pucks, Pat with Pucks. Tone, what's up, man? What are you thinking, John Vogel, going to The Athletic? I don't really think we've talked about it too much, but, you know, you've heard the interview. You've, you've seen John's work through the years. What do you think of him leaving the news and joining The Athletic? I feel like Vogel was a great fit over there. Um, you know, along with Graham, I, yeah, Graham obviously he's he's going to fit anywhere, and the athletic made a lot of sense. But Vogel, you know, for for a beat guy, he also gave you things that were a little off the beat and path. And um, you know, one in particular, if memory serves me right, I feel pretty stupid if this wasn't Vogel. But you know, he did something on on O'Reilly and kind of the way he. he uh, has played the system in the past leading up to his exit in Colorado and, and how he kind of was groomed in a business sense to, um, you know, to, to, to position teams the way um, or to position himself uh, with teams um, the way that he has that's really soured some, uh, some people. And that is the sort of insight that I feel like you know, the athletic has really brought to the, to the forefront and it was just a good fit. You know, it was, it was just a good fit. And he's someone that I'm happy is, uh, is still serving the area. I'm kind of beating the dead horse a little bit too much on this topic here, but sports media is a big part of this podcast. I think the bottom line is the Buffalo news needs to change. And I think they know that it's just a matter of, can they do it effectively you know, you take the athletic and you got John, the beat guy, and I'm just going to say Sabres here right now. You know, and then they had Joe Yurden, who comes over from NHL.com. He's the second guy, or whatever you want to call it. They're both going to write certain, you know, day-to-day stories with the Sabres. And, of course, you got Chris Baker, you know, doing a lot of prospect stuff, things at Rochester and the Miners. And then Ryan Stimson, who's a real analytics guy. You know what I mean? They got a lot of different bases covered. And this is where I think the Buffalo News for the last couple of years has been dropping the ball. So I really hope, as they start to hire some guys to replace the people that left, that they start to bring in guys who are going to bring something different to the table than what they had. You want to take Sully's column away? You want to take Bucky's column away? You want to do things differently? Fine. You better get someone in who's going to be able to do something differently because this BN Blitz has been a flop. And if you're going to charge, and I've talked to Joe from Buffalo Winds about this, and I'm going to get your thought on this soon, and then we're going to move on, okay? I promise you we're going to move on. But I feel like if the Buffalo News is going to be pay, don't you think they should have everything under that sports umbrella be pay? 
not just the bills, because I don't think anyone is going to pay strictly for bills. Get more stuff, get more writers, have more sports, and have a paywall just for the sports section, period. I don't know if Buffalo knew that the news. I don't know if they knew that the athletic was coming, but they didn't do anything about it. You know what I mean? In fact, they kind of helped them. They kind of gave John and Tim in a way. They kind of served them on a platter. You know what I mean? So do you think the Buffalo news is capable of making the types of changes necessary that it's going to take to win a lot of fans over that, frankly, they've been losing of late? Well, I don't presume to know what those changes are. And you have an idea of what you think you'd like them to be. And that's a great point. Hey, you know, we're not going to get rid of columnists like Bucky and Jerry only to replace them with, you know, people that are going to write worse columns. But how do we know that? Do do we know that this strictly wasn't about, you know, replacing a 70K salary with a 30K salary and they're not going to change their model up that much? And I think that's worth really asking that question because I don't know that they can compete with the uh, with the athletic in terms of analytics and things like that. I think they have their, you know, they they have their customers. I think they want to try to maintain their customers, and, and hopefully, you know, everybody eats. I mean, I don't know, you know. I mean, I think of newspaper subscribers. I think of you know, like like my mom. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. th- th- you know, people that. That's very fair. Who, who did who did the athletic really get away from the Buffalo news? In in terms of yeah, I mean they may have got you know uh, BN Blitz subscribers. Well, there's not many of those. I, exactly, exactly. It's not like some you know seven day a week uh, a newspaper subscriber is 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 flocking to the athletic now. The you know my mother wouldn't know you know or. or how to order the athletic over her phone or online to save her life. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's a different kind of breed. Your, you know, your newspaper customer. So it's kind of silly to use, use my mother in that regard. Cause I don't think it is at all. I actually think you give brought a up shit a great less point. about the athletic period, but you know, it, it, it I just don't know that the news is going to go the way of, you know, trying to compete with the athletic in the same sort of uh, with the same sort of content. Like if, if I'm the Buffalo News, I'm I'm maybe going harder after, you know, uh, after the high schools. And I know we had this conversation and I just yep. brought up that it'll be interesting to see what they do come Bills and Sabres season. Shit, man, it might be even more interesting to see just how much, if at all, you know, they they crank up or scale back high school football when it kicks off in, a, in, in, you know, in about a month or two. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of directions that, uh, that they could go. And I, and I don't know, you know, that the same uh, direction that the athletic is going is, is necessarily the way that the news will go. You know, I actually think it's a good point bringing up someone like your mom that feels, I mean, not your mom specifically, but that demographic that feels like, Buffalo News and Buffalo News subscriptions right now. You know what I think that stems from? Likeability. Honestly, I think the people who are representing the athletic right now on Twitter, social media, I think they're more likable, frankly. You know, if there's a knock on the Buffalo News, and this goes back not just now and today, maybe even for years. And when some of those guys who are no longer at the Buffalo News were there, they weren't the most likable people. You know what I mean? They weren't the most 
fan-friendly people. They're certainly not the most like blogger-friendly people. I think the biggest thing the Buffalo News can do, and we're, let's wrap this up and move on, but I think the biggest thing the Buffalo News could do right now, honestly, just find a couple people, hire a couple people that are really good on social media as well as writing and become more likable and more relatable. I think that'll go a long way. Do some things differently. We'll see what happens in the coming months. Again, you said it. This is a downtime. We'll see when it matters, when it's money time, the when training camp's here for the Bills and the Sabre season starts and stuff like that. Hopefully both sides do well. I'm rooting for the Buffalo News to regroup and do well. I want them to hire a couple good people, get someone to go with Mike in the hockey side, get a couple analytics guys in the football department, do some things differently. I want them to be good because I think the competition can bring out the best in both sides. And I've said this before with you and other people, I just think that the real winners in all this are going to be the sports fans because between these two heavyweights and then other, you know, WGR, some of these good, reputable blogs out there, we're going to get more and better sports content than we ever have. Let's move on from that shit, okay? Goddamn. Shoot me in the head if I get you on for another segment and we start off by talking even more sports media. Let's switch to something that's fun and that'll probably get you going. And that's Jack Eichel switching his jersey from number 15 to number nine, his college number at BC. Fans are losing their goddamn mind over it. What are you, what's your thoughts, man? What are you thinking with this? Let me tell you what I'm thinking, all right? I'm thinking I had a terrific Twitter gif or jif or whatever it's called, but because of my pretty much, you know, total lack of interest in trying to, you know, increase my my following, it just completely flew under the radar. But my use of the Steve Buscemi, all right, world's smallest violin from Reservoir Dogs. I saw that. It was was fantastic. It was was good. Fantastic. I got nothing. But anyways, but that is, you know, that is how I feel about it. I don't give a shit, man. I, I really, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's, you know, had like four quarter Bills quarterback uh, jerseys in the last 10 years. You know, I mean, I, I I was ready to go buy a Brian Brown for all I know. Now, look, that's, that's a bit of a, you know, apples to oranges because, you know, you're taking a shot with a Bills quarterback, especially – you know, some of the doo-doo ones and the runs that we've had because, you know, it's been a revolving door. And Eichel, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really expect that. But that's just what comes with with jersey buying. And and quite frankly, you know, I, I felt like the, the, the 49 and 29, you know, uh, credit on the 15 jersey was pretty solid. I mean, it's it's it represents about, I don't know, maybe a third or something like that, like about a 25% you know, 30% discount on the, um, yeah. on the new one. I, I to me, I, I think, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty decent gesture and I, I don't think that Jack Eichel has to sit there and worry about, you know, what, what, this, what it's going to mean if the, if the cat wants to change his Jersey, I never liked him in 15. I didn't hate him in 15. I mean, he was the shiny new toy. So whatever he picked was going to be really cool, but I don't remember anybody when he picked 15 sitting there like, man, that just works. It, it wasn't like that. It was kind of like, eh, okay, you know, our, our, our new shiny toy is going to wear 15, 15. Great. Uh, nobody really 
jumped and, and said, man, 15 is just a sweet looking number out there. I do think nine works for for that now. I, I do think nine looks sweet. It's it's not common. You know, it's the it's the single digit, which, you know, people are really getting away from now. And I think it's gonna look fantastic. I never had a 15, so I don't give a shit. All I really care about is how it's gonna look to my eye. And I think it's gonna look great. I'm pumped. Well, I halfway agree with you, okay? I've been telling anyone for years and years and years and years now, I think buying a sports jersey for a current player is literally the dumbest investment you can make with your money because they don't stay. It's as simple as that. They don't stay. It's a terrible investment. If you're going to spend 50, and by the way, I have not personally bought myself an authentic jersey. I don't know when, maybe even ever. But it's for a couple reasons. Number one, I ain't never going to spend that much money on a jersey. I don't like the way they look on me. That's just me personally. But more importantly, they don't freaking stay, man. They never stay. Go in your closet. Go in anyone's closet you know. They don't stay. It's a poor investment. If you're going to spend $80 to $100 at Dick's on a jersey, buy yourself something that just has sabers on it. You know what I mean? That shit's good for the long haul. Same thing with the Bills. Why buy yourself? A, let's take a look at some of the best Saber players over the last handful of years. Forget Eichel. What about Kane? You know, the excitement of him coming here. What about Ryan O'Reilly? The excitement of him coming here. Guys rushing out to get their jerseys. They're fucking gone. You want, do we need to talk about the Bills? Sammy Watkins. I actually had a Sammy Watkins t-shirt. You know those t-shirt jerseys that cost like 32 bucks? That I did spring for. Actually, my daughter bought it for me. It's like 32 bucks, number 14 on the back. I did have that. But you know, Watkins, first round pick, he's gone. Stefan Gilmore had a great rookie year. He's going to be a stud here. Change his number, then he's gone. Uh, Marcel Darius, gone. Go, the list goes on and on. EJ Manuel, the list goes on and on and on forever. Sports jerseys are just a horrible investment if you expect to get long-term so, you know, long-term enjoyment out of them. Unless you buy a throwback jersey, go buy yourself a Thurman jersey. Go buy yourself a Hassock jersey. That's just going to last you fucking forever. You know what I mean? So that, in regards to that, I do agree. I think fuck jerseys and spending money on them. That's your own stupidity. You get what you deserve. However, this is why I do not agree with you, and I think you're dead wrong. I think it's bullshit when a fan gets excited that the Sabres draft Jack Eichel and they go run out and spend $150, $200 of their own money, hard-earned money, for an authentic Jack Eichel 15 jersey. And then he decides that he doesn't want to wear that number anymore, and he changes it. That is bullshit, okay? If you buy a Kane jersey and he gets traded, or a Riley jersey gets traded, well, you know, tough luck. That's the way the cookie crumbles. But when you fucking spend your hard-earned money on a guy's jersey, and he changes his number, I don't believe in that. I can't roll with that, so... When it comes to that, I think you're dead wrong. Yo, didn't you have like a Tim Brown jersey back in the day? Yes, I did. I've been thinking long <laughs> and hard. You know, you've been rocking jerseys for like 30 years. But dude. then I, I stopped. They're awful. I, I stopped because I hate the way they look on I me. Mean, I looked in my closet before we started taping this segment. I have one authentic Bills jersey in my closet. You know what it is? It's Number 20, Dante Whitner. <laughs> right. And it's not because I bought it. It's because a friend who must hate me 
gave it to me as a gag going away present when I moved to Florida a couple years ago. But I don't get, I don't buy those jerseys, dude. And when I do, it's a knockoff. I bought a 28 CJ Spiller jersey at a stand in Blaisdell for like 25 bucks. One of those fake light jerseys. You know what I'm saying? Well, it is awful awful. because he ended up changing his number to 21 or he went from 21 to 28. That stadium is so full of cheap ass knockoff jerseys. It drives me crazy. I, it is such, I'm sorry. I, you know, I am, you know, I, I'm a uh, snob for, you know, for team gear. And it just, I, I can't stand knockoffs and, and stuff like that. You, you know, it's just, it's well, whack, man. It's whack. Let you, me tell you something though. Like, why, I, I why, you why not? I, I mean, you're, you're buying jerseys that two, three years from now, they're probably not going to be good. So what do you spend like it one hundred fifty dollars? Like you said, buy the shirt. Exactly. Right? Buy, buy a nice, buy, buy a sweet looking shirt. Like I, I grabbed, I grabbed. I was down in New Era this week, and I grabbed a like a pretty dope Bills hat. You know what I mean? That's not gonna go right. That's not gonna go bad on me. It'll you know look I mean? good. I, I throw on the Bills hat. I got you know, I got some Bills shorts. You know, I mean, and. I think we both know I'm I'm no fashionista here or whatever, but I, I stay current. Uh, all right, that's that's important to me. I, I preach it with my kids too. Look, my kid's 14 years old. He's already had to retire a freaking uh, a manual, a uh, a Sammy, and one other one. Some linebacker, I think. I I can't remember who would have been a good linebacker that uh, that he would have had a jersey for that had. Uh, that he had to recently, Nigel Bradham, Preston Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, it's in the last couple of years. I, I, oh, it's gonna bug me. Papa Zlesny. <laughs> nah, I had one of those. I had, I, a, wrong, I had a knockoff Paz jersey. Oh my god, with the knockoffs, I might be wrong about it being. Don't a, don't uh, diss the knockoffs. Be They're better investments than the authentic ones. Oh, it might have been a Mario. It might have, it might have been a Mario. Let me tell you though, I got to get this out. My my best jersey ever, and I probably only had it for like a year and a half because he left via free agency, and I never thought it was going to happen. But I mean, people everywhere. Every time I rocked it, people were just like, "Yo, man, sweet jersey." Uh, I wore it to Cleveland um, for a game early in the season. Uh, you know, one year when it looked like we might be kind of sweet. And basically, I wore it like, you know, four times a week to just to make sure that I got as much out of it as I could. And that is I, I had a gyrus bird made for myself. And that is, you know, to this day, it's, it's kind of probably, probably the sweetest duds I've had. Man. I, I had a Moles jersey. I wore that for quite a while. I wore it out. And I did forget I had a Tyrod Taylor jersey, too. Not authentic, but whatever. He's You're right gone. about throwbacks, too. You're right about throwbacks. Yeah, you can't man. go wrong with I got, I mean, everyone's, you know, got the usual suspects. I got a buddy who rocks a, uh, you know, and he doesn't really, he doesn't, he doesn't rock it out very often or anything like that, but it is his game day. It's his game day Jersey. And it's a nice throwback Andre Reed. And it's just beautiful. It's just perfect, man. It's just like, it's, you know, I, you don't see a lot of Dre's out there. It's a nice, nice representation of the, uh, uh, of that era. Reed's a good one. That's cool, man. You know, like I said, as we surmise this, you bought an Evander Kane jersey, spent 150 bucks. you're bad. It's your fault. You got traded. Should have known. He wasn't going to be around. You buy a Jack Eichel jersey, you spend 150 bucks on it, and he changes his number. You got a beef. As far as I'm concerned, you got a beef. 
Speaking of beefs, let's turn our attention real quick here to the Buffalo Bills. We haven't been talking about them much. Obviously, we will as camp gets closer. I had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, Jonathan Jones from Sports Illustrated. And in one of his columns, he predicted the Bills to finish 2-14 and and dead last in the NFL. Now, in fairness to him, he did write this and he said on the podcast that he wrote it before the three-game suspension came down for Jameis Winston. And had that happened, he may have considered putting Tampa in that spot. But regardless, in writing, he's got the Bills going 2-14, and dead last. Is that a national writer thing who aren't close to this team and they don't know shit about them? Or are you saying to yourself, you know what, man? Maybe that might happen this year. Yeah, I, I mean, there's enough of them out there saying it now that, you know, it's it's definitely, um, it's got to make you think, you know. Well, how much do you buy it? I just think that um, that their offense wasn't all that good to begin with last year. So I don't know how much it really is going to regress. And I think their defense has a chance to be lights out. So I, I just, you know, I think it's a bad play. If, if you sit there and you give me an over-under, you know, people talking, you know, 2-14 and 14 and stuff like that. You know, if they want to, if if that person wanted to put their money where their mouth was, and and they'd give me an over under of like, you know, four and a half, I, I don't have very much money or make very much money. God knows that's that'll that'll always be true. But I'm pounding <laughs> the shit out of it. All right, if you give me a chance to bet you, all right, on four, you know, to to four and a half wins, I'm I'm going to, you know, I, I mean, I'm probably going to dip into you know this. This little cash jar we got upstairs, you know, for a rainy day. I mean, I'm getting straight up shady, all right, with uh, with, with the girlfriend, and I'm just I'm I'm grabbing money from everywhere to make that bet. <laughs> that's how that's how I do. I think they're off base, but I'm not sure to the detriment of many Bills fans who are optimistic. I don't know how off base they are. I don't think they're going to finish dead last if they don't have a quote unquote lights out defense, like we've both said. Worst case, they're going to be good on defense, potentially very good. But even worst case, this is a better defense than it was last year. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. That alone is probably going to get them four to five wins. Just that defense. Just don't screw the game up offensively, and they'll win four or five games just because their defense is really good. But if they're not the worst, then who is? And here's how I feel. I think this is the funny part. I think both Miami and the New York Jets are worse than the Bills right now, which means that Buffalo conceivably can win five or six games and very, very realistically finish second in the AFC East. That's how bad this division is after New England, of course. They can win five, six games and finish second in their division. Besides that, uh, I don't know. Maybe Indianapolis, if, if if Andrew Luck's not fully back and he's not playing well or he gets hurt again, I could see them being a big-time bottom feeder. I've I've seen Seattle's been falling apart. You know, they lost pretty much. They lost their secondary. I mean, they got Russell Wilson, but anything happens to him, they're not good. But after that, I don't know, Chicago? But, you know, they had a good offseason. They, they got Trubinsky going in the year two. There's not a lot. Cleveland's, you know, only won one game in two years. But, man, everyone knows... They've really improved that roster, so I don't I, know. I think, I think the Bengals could be terrible. Yeah, that's another good one. In fact, that's a real good yeah. one. 
I like I, mean, I, 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 I like I, the I, Bengals because of what they did for the Bills last year. But yeah, spot on, man. Andy Dalton could pay, play his way out of there this year. One or two things go wrong, they could be right at the bottom. I don't know. Every yeah. year, you know this, man. You're a football guy. Every year, there's a couple teams that we think are going to be good, and, and, and then they go right into the pits. We thought Oakland was going to be a Super Bowl contender last year. You know what I mean? Denver, too. They sucked. Sure. They sucked. You know what I love, though? I, I mean, people talking 2-14 and 14 with the Bills are just how terrible the offense is going to be, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a real hard argument to make, but, you know, they entered last season with Jordan Matthews as their number one receiver. All of a sudden, we went and got Kelvin Benjamin, and I know he's had the weight issues and he hasn't quite lived up to you know to his draft status and stuff like that. And he may not be a true number one in this league. But we started last year with our number one receiver being Jordan Matthews. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, when you when you want to talk about how terrible this offense is gonna be. I, I I need people to at least acknowledge that because everybody gets to the receiving core pretty quick. Absolutely. You know, if you, you want to argue Tyrod, you want to argue the interior of the offensive line, you, you've you got my ear, okay? Dude, Anquan Bolden, an Anquan Bolden retired last year before he wanted to play for the Bills. That's how bad the offense was perceived for being. These receivers had looked absolutely awful on paper last year and shit they were awful when all was said and done but we still found a way to win nine games and quite frankly as bad as people want to make that uh that position out to be it's better than we uh than what we started with last year you know and the tight end's pretty good too it's just it i i get annoyed with how terrible the the receiving options are perceived to be and part of me thinks all right, that that's an overreaction, you know, to to Zay Jones walking through uh, walking through the halls uh, naked and shit. Because how much different did we build our receiving core than other teams? We spent big money on a tight end who's still above average in this league. All right, we went out and we traded for a guy who was a former first round pick. Uh, and and our other uh, potential starter is a second round pick of our own. That is a very standard receiving core. It's just it's a very standard receiving core. Uh, and I just I, I you know, boy, I, I don't want to sit here and talk myself, you or anybody else into this Bills offense or passing game being a juggernaut. But we act like they're you know like they're they're a bunch of no names and they are not a bunch of no names. You got a first rounder, a second rounder. Curly's played a three in this league, you know, uh, probably about five years uh, at, at, a, at a reasonable level. And the tight end catches passes and blocks well too. How bad do they, do they suck? I hear you, man. I, at the same token, I don't think you're going to convince you, me, or anyone else out there that the Bills are any kind of juggernaut had you tried, which in fairness to you, you're not. Ultimately, I do think they're taking a step back. And that biggest reason is because there's no Tyrod here. And when I say that, I mean this. I'm talking about the good part of Tyrod. Tyrod is a career 7-9 to nine win quarterback. I think no matter who you have around him, at worst, he's going to win you seven games. And at best, he's going to win you nine games. And whoever's quarterback in this year, I don't care if it's McCarron or Peterman. I'm not saying Josh Allen. It's not going to be him to start the year. The downside of both those two guys is they could be a quarterback where you go 4-12. and 12. That's what I'm saying. They'll turn Tyrod and turn the ball over. 
for all, and this isn't, you know, I'm not trying to make this about Tyrod, but he wins you seven games against lesser teams because he doesn't lose the game for you. He doesn't turn the ball over. Now, you ain't winning 10, 11, 12 games with Tyrod either because he's not going to beat you with his arm enough times. You know what I'm saying? So that's spot on. That's, that's spot why on. I think they're going to take a step back because I think the low end of their quarterback is going to be really bad in four to five win territory. That plus an offensive line that's weaker than last year. So I do think they're taking a step back. How much? I don't know. We'll see. Don't forget, too. We haven't started camp yet. They're going to add a couple guys. A couple guys are going to rise in the camp and have really good camps, and you might have confidence in them that you don't right now. I hate John Miller at guard right now. I think he stinks. That might change after two preseason games. You know what I mean? So long way to go with that. I can't. I can't. I can't wait till we have the conversation about what we do with this shiny new toy after Nate Peterman goes out and wins this football team 10 games. (laughs) I am so – I just – I. Bring it on. I'm ready for that conversation. I should count that as your unpopular opinion right now, what we do every week, but I'm not. <laughs> now, I'm not going to let you have that one. So as we wind down now, give me your unpopular opinion for the week. Well, you know, I, I know this is uh, sacrilege for, for many. And I, you know, I, I went out there and I, I, I saw some and, you know, I, I cheered and wowed and wooed and 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 played with uh with little kids and all that good stuff i think fireworks are fucking overrated all right i i mean i'm sorry i just i i i don't mean to be you know unpatriotic here but um and i've seen some good ones in 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 my day all right but generally speaking you know for the the amount of traffic that we have to deal with and just people that we have to, you know, uh, surround ourselves with. There's just so many fucking people at these things. Just not worth the trouble, man. I feel you. You know what? I feel you on that. Tell you what, one one further on that. This year, we took a 45-minute ride out to, uh, God, I want to, Lemon Bay, which, by the way, shout out Sal Capaccio. That's where he coached high school football for 12 years. In fact, I sent him a DM on Twitter that I was headed out to his town. Anyway, we went out there to, to make a day of it and watch fireworks. Well, we didn't. We got lost. Found out that this festival that we saw online isn't actually a festival anymore. Started pouring. We left, got lost, came back home. The rain stopped. It was still only 6.30. Me and Aaron decided, you know what? Fuck the fireworks. We didn't do anything. Don't even care about them. So I actually agree with you on that. My unpopular opinion, which happened Friday night, a video surfaced at a wedding Gronk was there with the with the with his date or whoever it was that he was accompanying. In the wedding party, she wore a Buffalo Bills hat, which clearly was staged. She gives it to him. He, he She tries to put it on his head, I should say. He takes it, does the Gronk spike, and fans, Buffalo fans, got pissed off. Fans who make a big deal of Gronk spiking a Bills hat, you guys are corny as hell. That's my unpopular opinion of the week. I know what he did last year. The elbow to Trey White, that was bullshit. It was dirty as hell. I'm going to hate on him for that. That's fine. But you know what? Gronk's just being Gronk. He's having fun. He spiked the hat, started doing some goofy dance, which if anything pissed me off about that video is that whoever took it cut it off just as he was starting to get into one of his famous Gronk dances. But you Bills fans out there who make such a big deal because he spiked the Bills hat, you guys are corny, so just stop it. I want to give a shout out to the Albany Empire, dude. My cousin's team wrapped up the top spot in the Arena League playoffs Saturday. 
I should get a chance to watch a playoff game or maybe even the Arena Bowl now up in Albany because I'll be up in Buffalo for a month. Anyone out there you want to give a shout out to? No, you just stole mine. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that'll do it for today. Special thanks again to John Vogel for joining the podcast. Not only was this John's first on-air interview since leaving the Buffalo News and joining The Athletic, but this was his first time on a podcast ever. Pretty honored to be the one to interview him for that. Thanks, John. Also, thanks, as always, to Tone Pucks for our Pat with Pucks segment. I always enjoy doing that with Tone. All right, folks. Coming up on Thursday's show, I have one of my biggest guests to date. I'll be joined by Channel 7 and Buffalo Sports Director, Bills Beat Reporter, and co-host of the Bills Beat Podcast, Joe Biscaglia will be my special guest. Cannot wait for that. Going to be a lot of fun and a big thrill for me to have him on. I also cannot wait for you to go to iTunes and subscribe to this show. It's quick. It's easy. It's completely free. It takes five to 10 seconds of your life to do it. And then bam, new episodes will automatically get sent to your phone, your computer, or whatever device you play your podcast on. If you want to go another route besides iTunes, you can also catch the Moranalytics podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and basically wherever future award-winning podcasts are heard. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'll talk to you guys again on Thursday in Buffalo, New York. I'll be seeing you tomorrow. Peace out.